This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Today, I'm joined by two guests who I think it's fair to say are as obsessed with their customers as I try to be and who I hope will help answer the million dollar question for any business, which is how do you make and importantly keep your customers happy? I'm your host, Piers Murray, and with me today are Saskia de Jong, Director of Customer Success at Avinode Group and Sergi Albiol, Commercial Director at Lano. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So just before we start, I think for anyone who, who doesn't know you, um, Saskia, could you give us a bit of an intro to your background and what you're up to at Avinode? So um, my name is Saskia. I've been with Avinode for 11 years, which is an amazing time. I never thought that I would be with a company for 11 years. Avinode Group essentially offers uh, business tools for the private aviation industry, which is kind of a niche industry. Um, we offer tools such as a marketplace where people can find aircraft. Um, we have an operational tool and we have a payment platform, which is the connection with Currency Cloud. Brilliant. Thank you, Saskia. And Sergi? Thank you, Piers. And thank you, Saskia, also for the introduction. Um, so uh, my name is Sergi. I'm the commercial director at Lano. Uh, Lano is a platform for hiring, managing, and paying employees all over the world. So we basically give uh, global companies the flexibility to that they need to build and, and grow their global teams. So no matter if it's compliance, payroll, anything to manage their teams, uh, we make that happen. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you both. So lots of experience here in this world of, of the customer um, between you both. So I think it's fair to say that keeping your customers happy is only possible actually by making them happy in the first place. Maybe that is incredibly obvious and the biggest truism that anyone ever said. But, but Saskia, why don't, why don't we start there? What, what in your opinion actually makes a happy customer? What, what makes a happy customer at Avenode? I think for me, a happy customer is, is someone who wants to engage with us um, and who will give us feedback, values giving us feedback. I think um, and I'm sure that Sergey and you uh, agree that if you have a customer who actually engage with you, wants to give you positive feedback or negative feedback, it allows you to build better products, right? You want to know that you're on the right track. So I would say the engagement and the relationship um, that we build with customer is is what I would say important to me and would um, allow me to measure what the success is um, with our customer. Brilliant. And, and Sergi, would you agree? Anything else you'd add? And, and perhaps part B to that question, Saskia mentioned the important word measure. Um, for me as a product person as well, it's really important to know that what you're doing is actually on the right track, almost in, in any function within a business. So what makes a, a customer happy in your opinion? And, and B, how do you actually go about making sure that whether or not they are actually happy? How do you go and measure that? That's a very good question, right? At the end, like uh, happiness is an emotional state. So obviously you cannot uh, disregard all those feelings and, and, and like those intangibles that Saskia was mentioning. It goes uh, hand by hand with, with more measurable or, or tangible items, right? So a few things that, that we try to do, right, to to try to maybe estimate a little bit the, the happiness, right? Or, or, or to get a, a bit more database approach is 
things like NPS or customer satisfaction scores, right? That you can ask through different touch points of the journey, uh, how happy or satisfied your customers are, right? I think that's, that's something that gives you a good temperature check on, on, on their happiness, uh, beyond the, the, the more, subjective or or feeling based approach right i think that's that's a good combination i would totally agree echo with some of the things that you've just mentioned um i think we also think about the different touch points the different cohorts types of customers which can all contribute to their level of of happiness of success at any one point in time and it's then being able to effectively subsegment i think some of those different cohorts and really dive down into uh, some of the data that underpins that, some of the, the, the quantitative and qualitative data that underpins that to, to find out some more. Um, okay, so there's a few ideas that we just talked about there. How, how have you found that some of this has, has changed post-pandemic in, in this hybrid world where we aren't talking about physical offices, but talking about teams perhaps based in certain locations? Has, has your approach to customer success changed at all? In the last few years, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily because of going hybrid. I think as a company, we just became more aware that we need to build a more customer-centric organization. It started prior to COVID already. Um, I think because of COVID, we just had to organize it in a different way. We had to build a team that was remote, um, and obviously that has its challenges. Would it have happened regardless? Probably. I think that that's where the day and age that we live in. Um, so I think it would have happened regardless. Um, I don't know. How about you, Sergey? I, th I think for us, like the, the situation is that at Lano, we pretty much were built or like started to ramp up during the pandemic, right? So there was very little, let's say, like history for us to, to compare against. Uh, something that we started doing, for instance, is to, to join. Um, customers internal slack channels so they invited us and i think that helped us get one one step closer to them and and being a little bit more uh faster in the replies sometimes yeah i'm just curious sergi is it your customer do they appreciate meeting over zoom over teams whichever you use or do, is there still a desire to meet in in person and the reason i'm asking like Last week, I had um, one of my account managers on the road and the customer was just so thankful that we are still valuing um, their relationship, the business that they bring to us and make it worth going to rural areas and visiting them in person. Now, we're obviously in an industry where our operator, they sit in a hangar. Often they bring their teams, they're in an office. So they're working in an office and they want us to come and visit. I'm just curious how how you guys deal with that. We, we have had so many cases or starting to see cases where people are um, hoping or like uh, really needing to meet us in person. What we're trying to leverage is if there's a chance to meet maybe some of them through an event, right? Uh, we were in Paris last year. We tried to connect with some of the existing customers as well as prospects. It brings a level of connection that simply cannot build uh, through, through the monitor, right? Or through a, a web camera. So I do, I do see the importance. I think it's just like the nature of our business has put it maybe in not the same, same speed as, as probably you do. So I'm really intrigued by this. We've talked about, you know, in-person, uh, face-to-face meetings. There are so many of these touch points actually that in this, uh, sort of post-pandemic digital age that we as businesses, as service providers actually can have and set up with all of our customers. And I suppose that the question to you both is 
How do you cut through all of those different touch points to really find the feedback that is incredibly valuable, productive, maybe for your companies? How do you, how do you take all of those different touch points and figure out how to actually action the really important things and, uh, sift out effectively the, the, the things, the pieces of feedback that maybe aren't taking you as a business in the right direction, um, or are a slight anomaly from the customers themselves. Customers can, can, can be very loud, right? And about something that maybe disappoint them or, or bring some sort of dissatisfaction. And it's, it's quite easy to get, you know, caught into, into that noise, trying to understand rather like what are the patterns that are driving dissatisfaction from the customers, right? Across the multiple touch points that you can have, right? There's, there's a lot of data out there, but the key, at least from, from our perspective, is to try to identify patterns. So we try to, you know, monitor as many things as, as we can, track churn reasons, deal loss reasons, trying to cluster things and understand if what, what is the proportion? What is the evolution over time? That helps us a bit better to to cut a bit through through the whole noise and and simplify to what are the most important things or what are the most pressing things. Um, but I'm curious to hear maybe Saskia have different approach onto this. Very similar. I mean, I think we we get tons of feedback and making sure that you're actually building the right thing um, is important. So yeah, storing that data, analyzing that data, is there a common thread, um, and then. I would also say continue asking more questions to the customer. We really want to understand that we make sure that we understand their business, their pain points, their needs. Very seldom would we build something that is valuable for just a handful of customers. Um, so how do we make sure that we're solving pain points for everyone? And I would say that that's where um, our prioritization, aside from do we see common feedback, we also want to make sure that we're building things that, that help everyone, or at least the vast majority of our members. Okay, so extending from that, Sergi, you mentioned um, cutting through the noise that there are often loud customers, customers who, who, who might be clamoring for something more than, than others. It, it, it reminds me of that old phrase that the customer is always right. And is that still true? Is the customer still always right? Uh, I, I am of the opinion that you cannot make absolutely everyone happy, right? It's just like, Probably statistically impossible, right? Uh, obviously, you, you try to be as you know customer centric as possible. We've seen like in the digital era how how driving better customer experience has been key for for growth, right? But that being said, like I think like you cannot aim for like all the customers all the time being happy, being correct, being like in you know having full control of, of, of what they, of what they believe. What the approach that we are trying to do is to try to segment a bit our, our customers, right? And, and trying to make sure that you, you invest your resources into what will bring a better or the highest return on the investment. Trying to understand what are the customers who, who bring the, mo the groups of customers that bring the most value to you. And make sure that you invest the, the, the right resources into them, like with dedicated uh, or more senior account managers with faster SLAs, commercial gestures, you name it. Anything that you, that you have to do to, to remain or keep them happy. I think it's, it's better invested into customers who will be, uh, you know, contributing to your growth in the long run and just instead of trying to please absolutely everyone. And Saskia, how about you? I'd love to get your take. Customers I... always right. Yeah, I don't think so. 
<laughs> I think we spoke about the relationship um, in the beginning already. And I think a relationship comes from two ways, right? So how can we make sure that we keep everyone happy? But um, there is a certain limit to that. And I think it, for us, it's really important that we work. We see our, um, our relationship as a partnership um, and a partnership has to come from two ways. And, and just like Sergi mentioned, we do have different segments, tiers. Um, like how do we make sure that we deal with um, the different tiers, the different segments um, in a different way where depending on their needs? Um, I have absolutely told some uh, members of us that maybe we're not the perfect match. And I think that that's okay. And I think that that's okay for the customer as well. And ultimately, if we're not the right match, um, then they should maybe look for a different provider as well. It's a really, really intriguing approach, and I think it's it's we we think about partnerships um, rather than the provision of services. Like we want this to be a long-standing partnership. Sergey, I think you you touched on this idea of customer centricity, and and it's certainly something we, we could probably use the the two thousand and eight crisis rough, roughly as a line in the sand um, of maybe incumbent institutions versus digital first businesses that really think about customer centricity over a product-led, uh, a product-first approach. Is this concept of, of customer success then about getting a team just to do customer success right? Or actually, is it about an entire business having that customer-centric, customer-first mindset and approach to everything that they're doing? I think it's 100% the company that needs to be on board with the, the customer-centric organization. It, it's not just the customer facing team uh, at Avenode Group, um, it's everyone involved. We have made significant changes over the last three years to our organization where we really looked at our customer journey um, and said, okay, well, who is important in each aspect of this journey and what are additional roles that we need to add to our team or to our organization um, to better serve our, our customer. Um, because we do feel that that's the only way to make sure that, A, our customer gets better success, and, and ultimately we're all here to be in business, right? We want to monetize on, on our customers. So um, I think that that has been a big shift, but the shift for the whole organization, because without having the support of, of the product and the tech teams, it, it would not work. And, and what have been some of the challenges in getting an entire business to culturally change their mindset, their, their approach? I think the hardest part for us has been that previously it was one role who was responsible for the customer journey. And now there's multiple people that are touching our customer. That also means that internally there needs to be trust created. You're handing over um, certain tasks to colleagues uh, rather than taking care of your customer from A to Z. Uh, and I would say that that has been a challenge in the beginning where people had to get used to that, building trust. Maybe the fact that part of our uh, organization is remote has added to that. We've brought a lot of new members to our teams. So how do we make sure that we create um, trust within the teams? We're a very close organization. Culture is very important to us. So Part of that is, is also bringing our teams together and really focus on business content, but also making sure that we do team building um, to make sure that if we internally have strong relationships, then that will translate external, externally as well. Yeah, I do agree. It's, it's crucial that it's, it's spread across the organization and not just like customer facing departments. Um, even during the, the, the onboarding session for, for new team members, I always encourage everyone to join demos uh, with, with the account executives in, in our team or I don't know 
onboarding sessions with our CS. I always encourage everyone from engineers to finance to marketing, etc. Uh, everyone should be, I think, as part of the onboarding and regularly, of course, as well, uh, be joining those conversations to be as close to the customer as possible. Something that is very crucial as well is is showcasing what is your your customer promise, what is the value that you're adding to 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 the customers, right? And I think that should be also a, a good correlation to the to the happiness, right? If you promise that you can do something faster, something cheaper, the more you can show that you are delivering against the customer promise, I think, uh, or compared to the customer promise, I think that that also puts you into a very uh, excellent mindset of customer centricity. And I think like if customers can appreciate that and you make it very tangible for them, like, hey, look, the problem that you came to me for a couple of months ago, look how we've solved it together. I think that that puts a lot of value into into the relationship as well. So we're talking about really complex things here. We're talking about whole organizational change and cultural change and, you know, some of the intangible values or sometimes, I guess, going back to the beginning of the conversation, the feelings that a customer might customer might have about you, your product, your business. I'm assuming that there will be some things that you've changed, tweaked, tried to optimize along the way that perhaps haven't quite worked out in the way that you'd intended them to, that had maybe some kind of negative um, consequence or impact on, on customers. Can you share any, I guess, pitfalls or mistakes, things that other businesses should look out for in this concept of keeping customers happy, customer retention? We struggled in the beginning um, with making sure that we would store our data in the right way and data specifically regarding feedback. Um, so how do we make sure that we we get we get flooded by feedback? I'm sure prayer surging, you guys have the same thing. Um, how do we sort it in one place and then how do we keep track of that feedback loop, making sure that we prioritize correctly and that we also go back to our customer? We have made changes um, having one central system where every customer facing team stores that information in our CRM um, and have a good feedback loop, making sure that there's certain um, specific people in charge of, of creating that loop or closing that loop rather. Uh, I would say that that would be my recommendation as a company, make sure that you have a good process set up for that um, because that made our lives a lot easier. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, you, you mentioned data and for me, data is a really hot topic given all of the chatter around artificial intelligence, AI, chat GPT. Um, I was reading about a new chatbot called Finn. This was a customer support chatbot that is effectively using AI, artificial intelligence, to answer you know a lot of the questions that might be coming in. I would probably say that customer support is one of the key enablers for a happy customer, for customer success. Is the future of customer success dependent upon artificial intelligence, upon AI, upon things like chat GPT versions five, six, seven, up to 25? It's incredibly scary or scary good, right? How, how fast it is evolving and, and how good or accurate it is, right? Uh, at least uh, the, the things I've tested myself, it definitely exceeded expectations. Um, but connected to the points that we were discussing before, right? At the end, like, this is about, especially in B2B, it's a lot about building relationships. And, and uh, let's see, let's see how, how, how far it could take. But I, I think there's still a bit of a journey for, for replacing human relationships into customer success, which 
play a key role, right? Obviously, you try to automate the last, the vast majority of your queries as much as possible. So you don't need to have as many people supporting things that can be done automatically. But, um, and it's good. Actually, you can focus on, on continuously building those relationships and, and focusing on how you can make your customers growth, how you can be a consultant to them, right? Just not a, a faster FAQ, so to say. So I think the combination of the two will, will be very powerful. And at the end, it will just give more, more, uh, bandwidth to the, to the success teams to, to be able to do a more commercial job and more supporting job instead of just, yeah, r- resolving tickets as fast as possible. I think it really depends on the industry or the, the, the industry that you're serving. Um, if this is useful or not, I think for us, we have such a small industry that I don't think it goes over very well, at least not in the first couple of years. Change is constant. Change is a good thing. So I'm curious to see how other SaaS companies are going to use this. Um, and see what we could apply, what makes sense for our company. And, and I can't see a world today in which a an AI-driven bot of any shape or form is actually replacing some of those tangible human relationships, uh, relationship-building exercises that that we've just talked about. But uh, yeah, let's watch this space. I think it's a it's a really interesting, uh, evolving time, isn't it? Um, to see how I guess that complement of AI of of software to sit alongside the, the, the human element that right now at least feels like it's, it's very, very hard to be replaced. I agree. Let's see what happens. Watch this space. Definitely. Brilliant. Well, Saskia, Sergi, thank you both so much um, for your insight on this. For any listeners who would love to connect, to reach out, to find out a bit more about what you're both doing, where they find you both and your companies online. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Saskia Dion French. Um, look for Avenode Group uh, or feel free to email me as well, saskia.deyong at avenode.com. I'm sure we'll be in the podcast uh, details as well, but please reach out. Love to have a chat. Likewise, also available on LinkedIn, Sergi Albiol Mateo. Um, also over email, sergi.albiol at lano.io. Also, if you want me to connect through Slack as well, happy to do so. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Piers, for having uh, us. Also, Saski, for the great conversation. Brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And finally, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Keep on innovating. Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. Connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe by your favorite podcast player. Until next time.